This is episode 10 of the Online Course Guy podcast. I am Jacques Hopkins, the Online Course Guy, and this is the show where we show you how to turn your hobby or passion into a profitable online course. I was able to do just that with the piano, and now after being an engineer for eight years, I'm proud to say I support my family with the income for my online piano course. I'm also joined today, as usual, by Nate Dotson, who is hard at work on his own online course. What's going on today, Nate? Oh, not much. Just uh, hanging out. Pretty excited. Had a good week. Good. Good to hear. Man, we're on episode 10. Can you believe that? No, that's awesome. You know, and I was I was going through that intro. I just, it struck me that this is 10 times I've gone through that intro and I ha- haven't had to redo it one time. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was getting nervous there because I started thinking about it and yeah. <laughs> uh, powered through though. Yeah, you're a wordsmith, that's for sure. <laughs> so what's uh? So you had a good week. Tell tell us about it. Uh, well, I did the. I had the full launch since last time we talked. Um, or the first part of my launch, the full price launch to my um, list of people who we transferred over. They were previous subscribers. Um, so I ran about. There was about forty four thousand people that had ne- that um, had already seen my offer before. Some of them once, and some of them twice. And then about 700, I think, new people that hadn't seen my offer, maybe 600. And uh, it turned out great. I did s- about seven grand this week in sales. Holy crap. Yeah. Seven grand. Yeah. Look at you, Nate. It's pretty awesome. Dude, that's like half the money you, you spend on your family in a year. Yeah, it's it's killer. I mean, they and they haven't seen the, they haven't got the three pay- payment plan offer yet. So I bet I'll get some from that as well. And it's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's right around. I think it'll it'll probably end up doing better than my last launch a few months ago. The price rate r- price change one. It's going to end up doing better than that, which is awesome. That's really cool. So, uh, has everybody has all four to five thousand of these people been through the whole five day initial launch? Yep. Okay. So so seven thousand is your number for those people, with the exception of your cart reopening for the payment plan. Yep. So when is that happening? That's it's a ten day wait, and um, I'm actually going to try and get a, set up a split test here in the next couple of days. Since I have so many people running through it, I think it's just a good time to do it. Just mainly just with the emails, just changing the sales copy a little bit, and testing a couple of things. Yeah, that's fantastic, man. You got to be feeling really good. Oh yeah, it's awesome, especially because I want you know. I'm, was earmarking some of that money. I was going to earmark all of it for ad spend. I don't know if I'll earmark all seven grand for, you know, testing ads. I probably won't really need to, but. No, you don't need to. I don't think so. At least not to get started with. I mean, it's not inconceivable. You could be spending seven grand a month on ads at some point in the future, but hopefully by that point, it's all um, coming back to you pretty, you know, within the, within a week to, week or two, it's coming back to you. Man, that's so that's so great. Yeah. And I feel like the opportunities are just insane still for me right now like with ads or with just other things. Like I've got this course all filmed, the Easy Greens course, and I know tons of people on my list would want that. Um I could probably have the whole thing edited and finished in just a couple of days. Um got a couple of YouTube videos finished and some more I've started on and I don't know. I, I, a lot of the people on my list, you know, their main thing is that they just want to find some new job that they like. They want to find some new way to earn money that they like. And, you know, I've, I have started Etsy businesses that did really well. Uh, you know, I'm doing this internet marketing thing that's done really well. So I could even 
you know, help them with those things as well. So it's just like the, have you ever heard Kevin Kelly says the thousand, the thousand true fans thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just, that's where I'm kind of on the fence right now. It's like, I have this group of people that, you know, know, like, and trust me. Should I just go deeper and help them deeper and find more stuff to, you know, sell them that can help them? Or should I try and find more customers, you know, by like the ads and, and content and everything. I feel like, you know, do I would wish I could just do both of them, but I don't have like, I don't know. I just don't have enough time to do everything, which is perfect for what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're going to be talking about outsourcing today. So I think it's a very relevant topic for you and your situation. Yeah. I think the, the easy answer is to try and do both because what we're setting up here is mostly automated systems. So once you get this automation in place, it's easy to still make income from one source while focusing on another potential source. Yeah. Well, that's that's really cool. I'm really excited for you. So um, what what else is going on? Anything else? Not a, ho- not a whole lot more. I mean, I got a lot of good feedback too from all the people running through there. Um, you know, the what is holding you back question. I got a lot of feedback on that for sure. And um, didn't have very many unsubscribes. So people weren't all that as turned off as I thought maybe some people would. Um, lots of good feedback on the videos. It was awesome, man. I, I just can't thank you enough for all the help you've done to get me to this place. Yeah, man. It's, it's really cool to see this, um, this funnel that I've worked so hard on in developing over the years translate to a completely different niche. You know, that's really cool. And there's no reason it wouldn't. I mean, it's using my funnel uses elements of uh, very successful from very successful people who have done stuff like this. And I've tweaked it um, to work for for what I would say is hobbies, you know, yeah. and uh, I think it works really well. So that's that's really cool. And, you know, the one of the cool parts about how you have pretty much generated all your traffic from YouTube is that. Yeah, this past week you've made seven thousand dollars in revenue, but that's pretty much seven thousand dollars in profit too. I mean, you've got a you've got a small percentage that Stripe takes uh, for the payment processor, and you've got you've got a little bit of expenses here and there, but it's it's almost all profit, which is really cool. Yep, it's been. I mean, it's been like twenty four thousand dollars or something like that in the last six months. You know, this is from six YouTube videos that I put up over like a year and a half ago. Mainly, that's like my primary source of traffic and some from the free Facebook group I started. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I got, I, I may have told this story before, but, uh, you know, I do a lot of sales on the phone and, and a couple months ago, I made a sale to somebody and almost always I'll ask, you know, how did you find me? How did you come across my website or my stuff? And I have some tracking information on the back end that I can see some of that information, but it's not always completely transparent. And this guy told me that he found me because he found my video on YouTube of me playing Lips of an Angel by Hinder, which is a really poppy, like 12-year-old song. And that video has less than a thousand views. But that was his entry point into my funnel, which is hilarious because it's probably the only time that's happened. But I made one video, you know, five years ago, and five years later it makes me a three hundred dollar sale. That's so cool. Absolutely. So it looks like you're in a new space there. I'm in a new space. Um, I am in my what will be my new home office. It is good to be in here. It's I've got a lot of work to do, um, but I've got my new desk. It's a sit slash stand desk. I've got a little crank wheel on it that I can adjust it. I'm currently standing, which is great. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of looking around. I've got 
uh, a new camera sitting over here and I'm excited about what this is going to be because it's going to be my workspace as well as like a video studio too. That's awesome. And so I'm just, I've been working on getting all the that uh, set up and all the ideas in my head because I'm all about simple as well. So that's exciting. Um, a few more things to that I want to share from the past week. Before we get into our topic of the day, um, SEO. Uh, SEO on my end continues to go pretty well. Um, I'm seeing steady increases in where my search terms are ranking. Uh, it's really good to see. I'm, I'm monitoring it. It's. I try not to look at analytics and stats too much when it's not beneficial, but I find myself jumping on and looking at my SEO ranking almost daily just because it's fun. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing increases, but the thing is with SEO is is just because you see increases doesn't mean that turns into um, good traffic or dollars because a lot of my search terms are not in the top 10 yet. I've only got a couple in the top 10 and they're long tail keywords, meaning there's not a lot of search volume for those keywords. But I've got I've got some really high volume keywords where I've worked my way up into the teens and 20s. And so even if you're on the second or third page for high volume keywords, you're still not getting basically no traffic until you hit that first page. So I'm excited to continue to see that to grow. I've been working with my SEO guy for about two and a half months now. And his um, his disclaimer at the beginning was we need three to six months to see uh, any significant results. So um, my my next like report and meeting with him is is actually tomorrow. So I'll have some more concrete data to share on the next episode. But I just wanted to mention that it is going well, but I'm not seeing any returns yet. Awesome. Yeah, it seems like one of those things where you get on that front page and boom, there your, your returns start flowing in. Yeah, exactly. I, it, there's one search term in particular, it's how to play piano, which is just massive uh, in terms of volume. And I've worked my way up to like 15th. So halfway down the second page, uh, when we started these campaigns, it was like 60th. And so if I can get on the first page and even, you know, I, I doubt I can ever get first, second or third with that search term. Maybe I can. Um, but if I can get like top five, top six, that would be, I think would be very, very good. What about, what about online piano lessons? Is that one you're going after? It is. We've got about 40, uh, terms, 35 to 40 terms here that we're trying to rank for. So online piano lessons is, is a big volume one as well. So that one is um, gets searched for about three thousand times a month in the U.S. and I'm currently ranking thirtieth uh, for that one. So that is one we're trying to rank for. I started at eighty nine on that one. Awesome. So pretty much every search term is is up, and a lot of them are up a lot. But it's a uh, it's a game, and you know if, if we're not on that first page, there's not much traffic I'm going to be getting. Yeah. So the other cool one, one other cool thing I've done in the past week is I've really took a deep dive into some analytics of uh, sales numbers and really try to figure out over the past few months, figure out what the sources of my sales are um, and really have a good system going forward to, to manage and track that. Because when you're selling, um, when you're selling, you know, five courses a month, it, that's not as important, right? But when you're selling a hundred a month, and have goals to sell even more. Um, I think that's that's important. So one thing that came out of that, I, you know, I felt like I was pretty honed in on my AdWords data. But one thing that came out of that was some good tweaking to my Facebook campaigns. So what I discovered um, that that I 
I somewhat knew was happening, but I didn't know the actual numbers was over the past couple of months, I've made $8,000 in revenue from Facebook, but I've spent $10,000. So that's a loss of $2,000. Yeah. And it's, it's not all bad because I've gotten a lot of emails and I can remarket the course to them down the road. So I don't think it's like going to actually be a loss. And also people can, you know, there's some brand awareness happening too. people see my ad, maybe don't click on it, think of it later and just go straight to my website. Yeah. But I was able to break it down by campaign. And what I noticed was that there was two videos of four and there were some other campaigns too, but these two videos are really what was driving most of my sales. And um, so the return on those two videos was actually above 2.0. So for every you know dollar I'm putting into those two videos, I get $2 plus back. And so what we did was we basically turned off everything else other than, than those two videos. And what I'm also going to do is take those two videos and I'm going to turn it into kind of the Facebook style videos. And, and those two videos were just from my YouTube channel, two of the more successful videos from my YouTube channel, we downloaded, uploaded to Facebook. But you know those Facebook videos, they're square. At the top, they say um, something catchy or interesting. And at the bottom, there may be just captions, subtitles. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing with this. And I'm starting with the one that that I call on YouTube. It's just called, um, I think it's just called Learn Piano in Four Minutes. And obviously, you're not going to learn everything you need to know about the piano in four minutes. But I show you a lot of information in four minutes that you can actually start playing some songs with just that video. And that's that's been the highest ROI video on Facebook. So I'm taking that, turning it into a square. At the top, it just says learn piano in four minutes. And at the bottom, it's going to be the subtitles. Because when you're scroll, scrolling through on Facebook and a video comes up, unless you click on it, the video will start playing, but it's there's no sound. So that's why it's important to have those subtitles. So I'm curious to see if that's going to outperform the original video now that I'm making it uh, kind of a Facebook style. I don't know what the right wording is, but I call it a Facebook style video. And so I just tasked my uh, my virtual assistant to work on that for me, and she did a great job. Uh, she sent me the first cut uh, yesterday, yesterday evening, and I reviewed it, and it looked really, really good. I just had a little bit of feedback. So I should have the final version of that to uh, to upload to Facebook today or tomorrow, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, and uh, and speaking of outsourcing, uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about before we jump into our official outsourcing topic is, you know, I did make kind of a new hire about a week ago or so, and that is in something we've been talking about here is kind of a comment moderator is how I would put her title. Um, I've got a new comment moderator and it's going, it's going way better than I even expected. She's fantastic. Um, she's, she's American, but she actually lives in Cambodia. Um, she, she married somebody from Cambodia and they live there now. And so she's 12 hours off from me, but she works uh, pretty late and we are online at the same time a lot, which is great. And that was part of it, especially at first as she's learning how I would respond to certain things. And so what she is doing for me so far is she is responding to Facebook comments, which I was getting really behind on. You know, when you run Facebook ads, people are commenting below the videos or the ad, and it's pretty important that you respond fairly quickly on Facebook. And so that was one thing. And my Facebook guy got has gotten on me five or six times about that. And he's the one that really pushed me like, look, if you can't keep up with this, you need to outsource it. She's also responding to the comments that are left for me. Uh, underneath the videos on my pre-launch content. 
And she's also uh, helping me respond to emails. So we, we kind of worked up to this point, but she is officially like logging into my actual email inbox and she is, she's drafting up emails. So she'll, she'll draft them up, not send them. And I'll still review all of them. And I, and I liked how this is going because I still get to see every single response before it goes out and make tweaks if I need to. And I'm also approving all the Facebook responses, all the discuss, uh, responses. And so it really feels like I'm still responding because I'm putting my eyes on every single response and editing it if I need to. And I, I kind of like that. You know, one of my reservations about this, about outsourcing this was uh, that it wasn't actually going to be me. And so I may stick with this for a while in terms of reviewing because it's it's still very efficient. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's going really well. Um, next, I'm going to get her to add uh, Twitter responses, uh, YouTube responses, and hopefully some others as well. So that's going really, really well, um, which leads us kind of into our topic of the day, which is is basically outsourcing 101, all right? And I know that you're not really outsourcing much. I, I think I'm outsourcing a lot. So I think it's a good topic for us to talk about. Perfect. All right. So so I want to talk about kind of my start with outsourcing in terms of, you know, online business. Uh, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts like many people do, Pat Flynn, uh, Smart Passive Income, stuff like that. And I remember, you know, the big proponent of, of outsourcing and virtual assistance several years ago was a guy by the name of Chris Ducker. He lives in the Philippines. He runs a uh, a he runs a business over there. I think he runs several businesses, but one of them is uh, where it matches people that need a virtual assistant to somebody in the Philippines, a qualified candidate in the Philippines. And he wrote a book on outsourcing as well. It's called Virtual Freedom. And I read that book and I signed up for his service and it was, I think it's virtualstafffinder.com. And it was at a point you know, through this was three or four years ago, I was still working my full-time job and I just didn't have enough time to work on certain things. And so I just, I've heard about, you know, virtual assistants in the Philippines and people say the Philippines is really good because, um, it's their, their wages are lower. So you don't have to break the bank to hire somebody. And they speak in a very, the very, very close to an American accent. Right. It's not where like India, where they can speak English, but sometimes it can be very hard to hear them. They speak a lot of English and American English in the Philippines. So that's that's the reason a lot of people like to hire out to the Philippines. And so I went through this process and they hooked me up with three people to interview and I interviewed them. And I actually hired um, the wrong person at first. The they, they each gave me their pricing and, and one of them was like, $350 a month for full-time work. You think about that for a second. Um, and then the other one of them was like 500 and then one of them was like 600 And the one that was 600 had a lot of experience. The one that was 350 had basically no experience. But, you know, I, I was on a budget. My business wasn't making very much money. And I really liked the person that um, that didn't have any experience and was the cheapest option. So I I picked her. And we worked together for a week or two and she just, it just wasn't working out. She wasn't following my instructions. She was doing a poor job. She wasn't communicating well. And so uh, I went back to the most experienced person and said, hey, are you still interested in this job? And she said, yes. So I switched gears. And it's funny because uh, that person has been working for me ever since then. 
that this was um this was three and a half years ago. Yeah, so twenty uh, since twenty fourteen, um, maybe even late twenty thirteen. I think it was late twenty thirteen. I started this process, and so her name is Juvie. She's uh, Filipino, and uh, she's phenomenal. She's been working for me for for about three and a half years now, and it's we've we've kind of been through. Uh, a cycle of, you know, she was working for me for uh, full time. Um, She's had, you know, a few raises with me and everything. And um, she actually got married about a year ago or so to an English guy. And she moved to England. So she's in England now and she works for me uh, part time. She works uh, four hours a day instead of eight now. And uh, so she's married now. She's actually pregnant now. So it's been fun to have that relationship with her. And she um, she does really great work. She's very good at what she does. All right. And what does she do? She does. She's my general virtual assistant. So she can log into WordPress and um, she's pretty good with WordPress. Um, anything that's repetitive um, that I don't want to do myself, I'll just make a quick uh, instructions for her and she will knock it out. Um, some things, you know, she's done something for me that's just super tedious that maybe takes two or three weeks that. I would have never been able to do without her, you know, but she can even do like basic video editing. I mentioned this Facebook uh, video thing I'm doing and she's working on that for me. She's very versatile. She could do, she's not necessarily great at any one thing, but she can do a lot of different things, which is, uh, which is why I've got her around. Okay. So that's the story about my virtual assistant, Juvie. And, uh, has she raised her rates on you? Yeah, definitely. When, you know, I, 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 like I said, I've given her raises throughout the years. And one thing about the Philippines and the way they work in the Philippines. And, and if you, if you're thinking about hiring somebody in the Philippines, keep this in mind is they do something over there. It's called, I forget exactly what it's called, but it's like 13th month pay or something. And, um, businesses over there, they're expected to pay their employees, an end of year bonus that is equivalent to one month's pay. So you're basically paying um, 13 months of salary within within a 12 month period. And so when I hire a virtual assistant in the Philippines, I'm not required to do that by anybody, but it's like a really good thing to do because almost everybody in the Philippines gets that. And so I was paying her those uh, the bonus and I know she was very, very excited and appreciative to receive that. But then when she moved to England, um, she was like, hey, Jacques, um, just want to let you know expenses over here are more, you know, than, than where I'm from. And um, so I was wondering if I could get, you know, a little more in pay. And um, she, her request wasn't very much. And, you know, I could always go back through the process and find somebody else in the Philippines for, for less money. But um, she's really good and she knows me and she knows how I like things done. And so there there would be a point to where she's asking for too much to where it doesn't make sense for me to keep her anymore. But but we're certainly not there. And so I was happy to give her a little bit more to keep working for me from England. So three and a half years ago, when you hired her, were you make you were making already decent income online at that point or? Um, I wasn't making that much. I mean, so she started for me at about $600 per month and that's probably about how much I was making, maybe slightly more. Okay. Yeah. So, and the idea was that she could help me do more and help me grow my business. And, and it did a little bit, you know, I think, I think I was, by the time I quit my job, I was making about a thousand dollars a month 
from Piano in 21 Days. Okay, that's interesting. Because I, I was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago about hiring an EA, an executive assistant, they called it, these guys. I forget which podcast it was, but they said basically, you know, you should, you probably want to hire someone when you're around, when you're making around a hundred grand. And I was thinking the same thing. I was like, but I've, you know, I'm not making a hundred grand right now, but I have so many things I could be doing, like, you know, to grow my business that I can't do myself still. And it just made sense to me to like, even my Etsy business, my prints, you know, I don't have any time to invest in that right now, but I could have somebody, I could be paying someone all of the money that's coming off that business to keep growing tons of wholesale accounts around the country and adding more prints to the shop. And, you know, and eventually they'll start making more than I'm paying them and I'll start getting that extra profit. And if they ever left, I could take over the business and, you know, it'd be so easy to manage and it would be doing a lot better. So it's, it's hard to like, it's so weird how people have different, you know, strategies for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you're in a place now where, where outsourcing makes a, a lot of sense Yeah, because you've, you've got a lot of different things going. Like you said, your Etsy stuff isn't really able to move forward very much because you're so focused on these other things, which is fine if it's just you, but there's no reason you can't outsource certain things. Yeah. All right. So my biggest, one of my biggest lessons or takeaways or pieces of advice that I, that I want to give you um, and to the people listening at this point in kind of the story of outsourcing, as far as my experience is, you know, when I read that book, Virtual Freedom by Chris Ducker, he was talking about hiring a full-time virtual assistant, a general virtual assistant. Um, you can hire a, uh, an SEO person, you can hire a content writer. And he was talking about, unless I missed something major, he was talking about all this in the context of full-time people. Going, looking at the Philippines and hiring these people from anywhere from 400 to like $800. If they have a specialty, you know, they're more like $800 and having a full-time staff. And I thought that's the way outsourcing had to be. And I made some mistakes. So a few months after or several months after I hired Juvie, I was starting to think about doing internet marketing consulting. And one of the services I wanted to sell was SEO. And so I was like, okay, perfect. I can hire a full-time SEO person. So I went through the process again and I hired somebody to do SEO for me full-time. And that was a mistake because, I mean, he wasn't very good. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't have 40 hours a week of SEO work. Mm -hmm. And so that that relationship ended fairly quickly. It, it obviously wasn't a good fit. But what I didn't realize at the time is you can outsource things to very good people and they don't have to be full time. In fact, most of the good people are not going to want to come work for you full time. Yeah. And so since then, um, I've kept Juvie around and she doesn't work for anybody else as far as I know. I mean, she's down to, to part time now, but she's got a lot going on in her life, especially now that you consider she's pregnant. But I have a lot, a lot of people that work for me now on a very part time basis. And it's going extremely well because I have all these experts in what they do and they work for me a few hours a week or, you know, I guess it does vary and it's going, it's going well. So let me talk about all the things and people that I outsource to at this point. All right. So we've talked about AdWords. I outsource AdWords and that's probably the only thing, one of the only things where it's like, I'm outsourcing to a company. It's not something I found on a website like upwork.com, but I've told the story before how I took their AdWords course on Udemy and I was so impressed 
that once I started getting some results and revenue from my AdWords, um, I outsourced it to them and I'm paying them somewhere around $800 a month to just manage that for me. And they take care of all the optimization, all the reporting. Um, and and it's it's really good. And I don't really have to think about it except for once a month when we when they send me the report and we get together on the phone and talk about it. But, you know, they're, they're there for me, which is great. So for let me give you an example. A couple of days ago, I was uh, somebody sent me a cold email and have you ever noticed when you do a Google search and whether you're looking at the ads or just the organic search, some sometimes you see star ratings. All right. So it was a, it, somebody pitched me from a company that provides those stars and they sent me a screenshot of my ad uh, AdWords. Like when somebody searches, I think online piano lessons, how the result right above me or below me had stars, but I didn't. And he was like, which one would you be more? likely to click on or something like that. And I so I started looking into the service and instead of spending too much time looking into it, I forwarded it to my AdWords guy and said, hey, what are your thoughts on this? And he gave me a very, very good explanation on the pros and cons of it. And we are actually going to be talking to this guy um, from the from the star rating company next week. And my AdWords guy is going to be joining me on the phone with that in that conversation. Okay, cool. And so I just play him a pay him a flat monthly fee to manage my account. So I'm not having to pay him anything extra for stuff like this, but they're there for me. And I don't have to go at these types of things alone. Yeah. Do you want me to ask questions along the way or wait till you get through all these ones? That's a, it's completely up to you. Pretend like we're having some coffee. In fact, I've got my... Because I'm already, I'm already curious about stuff. I'm, I've got my good old iced coffee here. You, you drinking your, uh, your organic, you know, chai, herbal, whatever? No, I'm drinking, um, it's... Um... Two hydrogens and an oxygen mixed together. It's like a mixed drink. Heard good things about that. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, fire <laughs> away, man. What you got? Well, uh, so when you were doing your AdWords, you started paying this guy eight hundred dollars a month. Then, did your return has your did your return like overall return go up or down at that point? So, did the eight hundred dollars did they make that back plus more than you were making before, or is it did it just kind of keep things steady? And, and that's good because it freed up some bandwidth for you. Yeah, that's a great question, Nate. Um, I don't know the exact numbers there, but you know, if, if they can help me sell two or three more courses in a month, then they're worth it. And, and I, I would say they have because you can't just set up your AdWords account once and just leave it. And that's one of the mistakes that I've made with AdWords in the past when I was doing it alone and hadn't taken that course yet. Things are always changing. There are always new competitors in the market, other people... Um, entering into the search terms that you're trying to target. People are tweaking their accounts. You know, maybe somebody adjusts and is willing to spend more on a certain term or willing to spend less on a certain term. So it's important to constantly analyze the data in your account. And that's not something I was interested in doing myself. But I knew it was important and I knew I wanted to at least give these guys a shot. And we could, I could, you know, fire them tomorrow and I would still get very good results from AdWords. But my, my thinking is that over time it would get worse and worse and worse. Right. I've got, I mean, basically I've got to justify that $800 somehow. Right. Yeah. And it's probably, I imagine it's probably not stuff you love doing and are excited about where, where you've got plenty of stuff that you're kind of excited about. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, what, what, what should you outsource? You should outsource the things that need to get done, but the, you don't want to do. Yeah. Right. We talked about that, that, uh, 
that quadrant from seven habits of highly effective people. And you've got things that are important and urgent. You've got um, not important and urgent. You've got not important, not urgent, or the fourth one. And if something is important um, and, and not urgent, then and you don't want to do it, you can outsource that. Or if something's not important, um, well, if it's not important, you should definitely either not do it or outsource it. But then, but but really where we want to spend most of our activities is that important and not urgent quadrant. And the ones that you want to do, and it makes sense for you to do, do everything else, outsource it. Okay, so I know that AdWords is important for my business. Um, it's a it's a very positive ROI. Um, I, I you know I mentioned putting some numbers together, and so I can give you some examples from certain months this year. If I pull that up, um, it's loading. It's working. Trying to kill some time while it comes up. So in April, uh, the Revenue I generated from AdWords was $9,800, and I've spent about $7,000. Um, in May, the revenue was $11,600, and I spent about $7,000. Yeah, um, June was a little lower. June's revenue was $7,900, and I sp I'm spending about $7,000 a month on AdWords. So you can see it's very positive. Is that including the fee, $7,000? Yes, that's including the fee. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So does that make sense? Yeah. And are they also like continuously testing new things against your old ones too? Split testing and stuff? Yeah, exactly. And I come to them with ideas too. I'm like, hey guys, what if we directed the traffic to this page instead of this page? And they'll do those split tests for me. And they'll come back to me a couple of weeks later with the results. And this is a New York City ad agency, right? Yeah, they're in... So this is the cream, cream of the crop. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you know, you, you get to a certain point where you don't need to outsource to um, places like the Philippines and India and places like that anymore. If you know, I mean, I wanted to find the best AdWords people I could find. I mean, I'm at a point where AdWords is extremely important, important for my business, brings in a lot of money and I didn't want to skimp, right? Yep. If, I, if I'm going to skimp, I might as well do it myself or not do it. That's awesome. All right. You ready to move on to the next thing? Yep. I'm ready. Facebook ads. Facebook ads is a little newer for me. You know, I talked about when I st first started doing Facebook ads a few months ago, and I knew that I wanted to outsource it pretty much from the beginning because I've tried Facebook ads before. Um, I even tried to find a good course on Facebook ads, but Facebook ads is 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 a lot trickier than AdWords. It's it's more dynamic, constantly changing. There's more things you can do, and it's a different style of marketing. With AdWords, you just need to figure out what your potential customers are searching for. With Facebook ads, you've got to go out and find people that may be interested in your offer. So for those reasons, I knew I pretty much wanted to, to outsource Facebook ads from the start. And so um, with this and a lot of the other outsourcing tasks I'm doing now, I, I turned to a website I absolutely love called Upwork. Um, Upwork is... the the website I used to use was called, it, there was Odesk and there was another one, Elance. I, I used to use Elance. Those, those two websites merged into Upwork. It's so easy to use. There's so many good people on it. And anytime I need to outsource any, anything, almost anytime, I'll turn to Upwork.com. And so I did that with Facebook ads. I posted my ad and I got 30 or 40 responses. 
And what I'll usually do is I'll narrow it down to about three people that just were really impressive on their application. And I'll interview those three people. And so we'll set up a, a time uh, to meet on Skype or something like that. And we'll just talk about the job. And that way I can actually, you know, see the person, get to know them a little bit and we can talk and they can ask me questions. And then from there, I'll pick somebody. And so I went through that process with Facebook ads and I selected somebody who is German, um, but he actually lives in Thailand, which is also 12 hours apart from me. And, and he's not cheap. He's uh, $70 an hour. And our agreement is not like a monthly fee like my AdWords people are. Our agreement is that he works for me when I need him. And when he does, he, he tracks the hours and I pay him $70 an hour. And so it was, um, it, there was a lot of hours up front, as you can imagine. But now, we ha now that we have some things set up, uh, he's not really spending much time at all on my Facebook stuff. Now, when I collected that sales data the other day, um, I just shared it with him and he analyzed it a little bit more because he looked into some backend things within the Facebook account. And he's actually the one that proposed, okay, let's turn this, 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 and this off and let's do this, this, and this. Does that sound good? I'm like, yeah, that sounds perfect. Now, why can't they just, just measure that inside Facebook ads manager? Doesn't it tell you like your converge, like your conversions and stuff on the ads or? Yeah, it does. So mine's tricky because I do so many sales on the phone. Oh yeah. That's the reason that mine's trickier than other businesses because yes, you can absolutely track these types of things with built-in Facebook stuff. And that was part of the problem with how I was, how me and 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 him were handling my account is because he was optimizing everything based on email opt-ins because he could clearly see that. But at the end of the day, the sale is way more important than an email opt-in. So for example, he he came to me a couple months ago and he's like, "Look, one of the newer features in Facebook ads is this thing called Facebook lead ads, where you can actually, the user can actually punch in their email address right from Facebook and they don't even have to visit your website to opt in for your offer. It's like, all right, great, let's do it. And from the start, it looked like it was super successful. Um, so we ramped up and we've been spending like $60 a day on Facebook lead ads and I've been getting tons of email addresses. Well, what I didn't realize until a couple of days ago is over the couple of months of doing that, I've only made two sales from Facebook lead ads. And so one thing, the first thing we did was just kill it. It's, it's done. Not spending that 60 bucks a month anymore. So right now, you know, I was spending about $150 a day on Facebook. And what we did was we took all the stuff that was really profitable and left it alone and killed everything else. So now, now I'm spending like $50 a day on it. And it's going to be way more, uh, way higher of an ROI. And once we continue to analyze this data in a better way, then I'll probably ramp that $50 back up. Any questions about that? Nope. I haven't advertised on Facebook since 2014. Oh my goodness. It's changed a lot since then, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Next is SEO. We've talked about that a lot lately, but my process for finding an SEO person was, was, was the same. You know, I put an ad out there and, Man, SEO is crazy because I probably got a hundred applicants and 90% are from India. And, you know, I, I talked to the, the guy I eventually settled on. It's actually, so I'm in Louisiana and it's funny because he's actually in Mississippi. So we're not very far away. And I was, I was open to hiring somebody for SEO anywhere on the planet. I wanted the best SEO person because I'm at a point where I can spend money on it. 
and I see the potential in it and I want results. And I had a bad experience the last time I tried to outsource SEO. And so I interviewed three people and um, this guy was not, was the most expensive. Absolutely. He was proposing $3,500 a month, um, but he was by far the most impressive. And he had testimonials and he had results he could share with me, case studies. And I'm, I had to ask myself, do I want to... Um, do I want to skimp on this? You know, do I want to hire somebody average or do I want to hire the best? And I had, you know, I, I could spend $3,500 a month on this. It, it hurts. It definitely hurts because I'm not seeing any return on that. But, um, but I see, I still see the potential. We talked about that earlier uh, a few minutes ago, how we're starting to get results. The search terms, my website is ranking higher and higher. No actual sales from it yet, but I see the potential. Does he have a team working for him then? He does. Yeah, he has a little, um, you know, one of the things that I liked about him is because we share a similar story. He was an engineer for like eight years. He worked for Exxon and um, he did like analytics and stuff for for Exxon. So his background is it is in similar type of stuff. Um, and he, he kind of quit that to focus on his own internet marketing business. And, um, so I could really relate to him. We got along really well. Plus he was just super impressive. And, you know, if anybody's out there that does work on Upwork, I'll tell you, you know, like I said, I probably got a hundred applications for this SEO stuff. But the one thing that really stood out about his application was he wrote probably a couple thousand words or more about my specific business in his application. So a lot of the applications were just like, I'm good at SEO, hire me. Yeah. Value first. Yeah, his was just this, all the things we could do. And clearly he had done keyword research already. And he was talking about how excited he was about this opportunity and that he didn't play piano, but his wife did. And um, he, you know, he really respected my my message and my business and was looking forward to the opportunity of being a part of it. It was just so impressive right from the start. He dropped some sales copy into his, his page. <laughs> Yeah, but you can tell like he's not he's not a salesman. You can tell he's kind of nerdy, like really geeks out on this analytics stuff. Yeah. Um and like he wasn't when we when we got on the phone, like he wasn't doing a hard sell by any means. Um and was all about the data and analytics and was providing a lot of value up front. That was really clear, so. Cool. All right, next thing, very relevant to this. Podcast editing. Yeah. I've started a podcast before and I knew that I didn't like nor was I very good at editing the audio for a podcast. And so from the start of this podcast, I knew I wanted to find somebody to edit it. So what we do at the end of these episodes is we just send the audio files to this guy and within about 18 hours, he's got the final podcast uh, file, MP3 file ready for me to upload which is great. Mm -hmm. So what he does is he uh, he just tweaks the audio, you know, compression and whatever audio engineers do to make it sound optimal. He adds in the intro and the outro music mm -hmm. and he converts it to the right format. You know, you we want it, it's supposed to be like MP3 format, 128 kilobytes a second. So he does all that and he spends about an hour doing it. And I pay him $30 an hour. So I pay $30 for each episode of this podcast. Mm -hmm. He's in Greece, found him on Upwork, going through the same process. And this one, I wasn't as concerned about this. You know, this wasn't like hiring somebody to do Facebook ads or SEO. So I didn't feel the need to jump on a call to do interviews. Yeah. 
But what I did was I still narrowed it down to about three people and sent a list of questions through the Upwork chat platform Mm -hmm. and talked that way. So I still have never talked to this guy over the phone or on Skype or anything like that. And I'm okay with that. He's only working for me one hour a week and he's sending me an audio file. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to give him access to any of my accounts anywhere or anything like that. So it's not as um, it's not as risky or or I don't know the right words for it, but that's why I was okay deviating from my process a little bit for this task. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about web design because I have a web guy too. My web guy is in. I actually have two web guys. Um, wow. They're both in Pakistan, and I, I guess they just breed good web guys in Pakistan. Um, the, the guy that has designed my website has designed the website for a lot of the people that, that came to me asking for websites, um, is in Pakistan, the main guy. And he was recommended to me by somebody else I know through the internet. And he's so good. He's so good. If anybody needs a good web guy or just, I don't want you to steal him from me. Um, but if you have a, a, a one-off project, um, you can send me an email and I'll be happy to to share his contact information mm-hmm. with you. He, this guy, he's the one that that works for me like on the most sporadic basis mm-hmm. because it's not very often that I need web design work done. But like he, he when I needed, when I upgraded um, or redid my website, you know, 10 months ago, I went to him with the scope and everything and he charged me about $500 to do that. Mm-hmm. I think he works at about $15 an hour. Um, but you know, I mentioned I'm at a point where I want to kind of have the best people, not necessarily the cheapest people or anything like this. And I would, I would be, it would be hard to find somebody better than him anywhere else. Um, I would be, don't tell him this, but I'd be happy to pay him like a hundred dollars an hour, you know, but $15 an hour is a good wage in Pakistan. Just like, just like $600 is a very good monthly income in Philippines. You don't need to be, you don't need to feel bad in any way about paying these lower wages to these people because you are, you are providing them income. You are yeah. giving them something to work on. Yeah. You're putting them in the, you're probably putting them in the top 10% of wage earners in their country. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and some, you know, in some places, people don't want to earn too much because they kind of would have a target on them if they earn too much. Yep. So that's uh, that's my web guy. He was recommended to me, um, but he's not always available. And um, and so I have a second guy that I that I like and trust that I found on Upwork that is is of similar quality. And so it's nice to have those two different options available to me. Um, but I'm so glad I have somebody like that I can count on. Just two days ago, I had some tweaks to my website I wanted to make, and he's so good with like the whole CSS, HTML, making things look good. And so there are things that I could do myself, but when he can work for an hour for $15, it just makes no sense for me to do it. And so I had a list of things that I had built up and I sent it to him a couple of days ago. Um, the next day I had an email from him that he had finished and I went and paid him his $15. It was fantastic. Is this stuff, is this like stuff on a, a ClickFunnels page that he's putting custom code to or just your actual website? He's never done anything in ClickFunnels for me because ClickFunnels to me, it's just so straightforward to use. Yeah. And I do have a little bit of a coding background. So anytime we need to do anything Cody in ClickFunnels, I can do that myself because even, even that to me is very straightforward because of the way ClickFunnels works. He's all, all he's ever done for me is anything inside WordPress. I consider him a WordPress guru. 
Okay. Yeah. So like the, the website piano in 21 days.com that's completely customized. Um, that's not just like a canned theme. And then he inserted the images and things like that. Like he totally customized that for me. Wow. I told him what I was looking for and he built it. Cool. Yeah. Now he did base it on, um, I think it's called Divi, the Divi theme, right? So that theme will continue to update. You never want to get somebody, in most cases, you don't want somebody to just like build a custom theme for you because then, then there's nobody updating it and whatnot and making sure it jives with the latest version of WordPress and things like that. But you can use a canned theme, but still have a custom website. Awesome. So I'm sure you're, at some point, you're going to be interested in, in probably getting the contact information of that guy. Yes, I imagine I probably will be. <laughs> Yeah. So you can see there's a wide range in like, um, what these people are doing for me and also how much I'm paying them. You know, this guy is, is $15 an hour. Um, the, you know, my VA is less than that. And then I'm paying these SEO, this SEO company, $3,500 an hour. I'm paying Facebook ads guy, $70 an hour. The next one, I've already talked about her a little bit. That next thing I'm outsourcing is comment moderation. So you can see I have all these different people working for me, but just a little bit. And it's it's so great. You don't have to get these people to work for you full time. Do you have to issue like 1099s or anything like that to these people? Well, most of the payments and everything are handled through Upwork, and so I don't I don't have to worry about it when it's through Upwork. Okay. Right? And then man, I'm not I'm not a tax guy, but I think there's a there's a threshold of of um having to issue a 1099 or not. You know, for example, I would have to do that for my VA. Yeah. And when she was working for me full time, it was a little murky, honestly, how, how it worked. Because when somebody works for you full time, they need to be technically an employee. Mm -hmm. And I never, as opposed to a contractor, and I never got a straight answer on that, like looking through some of Chris Ducker's material and other people that outsource stuff on really how to handle it. And because if, if somebody's working for you 40 hours a week and they're not working for anybody else, technically they need to be your, an employee of your business. And I've talked to my accountant about that and everything, and um, we kind of worked out a way for that not to be an issue. But now that she's actually part-time and working four hours a day, I don't have to worry about that at all anymore, which is kind of cool. Okay. So those are, the, those are the things and the people that are working for me on an ongoing basis. So just to recap, I've got a general vir virtual assistant. I've got an AdWords guy. I've got a Facebook ads guy. I've got an SEO guy. I've got a podcast editing guy. I've got a web design guy and I've got a comment moderation girl. Wow. So on any given month, one of those people are doing work for me. Like all those people are doing some work for me pretty much. Wow. Beyond that, there's one-off jobs too, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'll need a little photo editing done or maybe a little um, more advanced video editing. Um, there, there are jobs that come up, things that you can outsource that you don't necessarily need a guy for to continue doing this for you, but it's just a one-time project. And Upwork is fantastic for that as well. So for example, you have a photo that needs to be edited. The background needs to be removed. You need to fix the lighting, something like that. And if you're not a photo editing person, um, somebody who is could do that much faster and for very you know inexpensively. So what I'll do is I'll post an ad on, on Upwork and something like photo editing, you can get done, like the whole project can be done within 15 minutes from the time you start your post to when you get the deliverable because there's so many people on Upwork that do photo editing. And if you're just doing something like changing, getting rid of the background, that's a 
you know, a lot of people can do that and do that well, right? So that's that's the big takeaways um, here with outsourcing is it doesn't have to be a full-time position. It doesn't have to be a long-term position. Um, almost anything can be outsourced. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot of people you got working for you. Does it, does it cause you to think about it a lot? Like having to all these different things going on or are you fine with stuff like that? It causes me to think about it less, I would say, okay. you know, I don't really have to worry about my Facebook ads campaigns too much because yeah. I know somebody out there else out there is worrying about it for me. Yeah. You know, I get to sit back and think big picture and let all these experts do their things, which is fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So the next thing I want to talk about is how to be an effective outsourcer. Because you can have all these great people working for you and, and whatnot, but if you're not giving them the proper attention and direction that they need, then they're not going to do good work for you, okay? So, um, through the years of outsourcing these things, especially with my general virtual assistant, um, what I've found is there's really, there's really two pieces to the equation of getting good work back from these people you're outsourcing, all right? So the first piece and and very important is they've got to be they've got to be good people. They've got to be good at what they're doing to begin with, right? You don't want to outsource some, something to somebody who's not good at their job or you're not going to get good results back. So that's the first piece, but the second piece that makes it all come together is you've got to provide them good instruction. All right? You can't be vague, you can't be broad um or you're just not going to get what you want back. All right? So my number one tip and what has made me the, I, I would say the most successful outsourcer that I can be, especially in this whole internet world, is very detailed instructions via screencast video. Okay. Okay. So when I first, and maybe I would still have that very first general virtual assistant who was the cheapest option, if I was better, a better outsourcer at the time, maybe it was on me. I don't know. It could have been, yeah. But but you know you've heard the the phrase like garbage in, garbage out. If the instructions you're providing are garbage, then the then what they're providing back is going to be garbage as well. Okay. So if you want something done in a specific way, you've got to make that abundantly clear. And the the best way I've found to do that is with screencast videos. You know I've tried doing instructions just with text or text and pictures. Text and pictures work well as well, but it's so much easier to do a screencast video. Yeah. It's so much easier. All right. And so like if I have a task that needs to be repeated a lot, then I'll do a, a, a couple minute video on doing it once or twice. And then anytime that my, you know, the person working for me needs to reference it, they can. They don't have to just watch it once. Um, they can watch it as many times as they need to. And the other thing about that is you know, I've got all these things that my virtual assistant are doing for me on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, and there's very detailed instructional videos on each one of those things. So if tomorrow she says, hey, I want to stay home with the baby, I can't work for you anymore, yeah, it's going to suck and I'm going to have to train somebody else, but all those instructions are already there. Yep, it's your training manual. Exactly. Yeah. Have you ever read the book, um, Work the System? No, I haven't. What is that? It's really good. It's a, uh, I guess it's sort of like what's the e is it e myth e myth revisited or something like that. Yeah, that, I'm, I've read that one. Is that one that's really about systems? The e myth uh, e myth is about how the it stands for entrepreneurial myth. Yeah, and it's about how just because you 
or a um, accountant or a, a plumber doesn't mean you know to, need to go into business for yourself doing those things because once you do that, you're going to have to be all the you're going to have to wear all the other hats of running a business, sales, accounting, all that. Okay, I thought that was like a big systems book, but Work the System by Sam Carpenter is excellent book about systems and also. Um... For people that are just starting to get into business, um, man, I can't think of the name of the book right now. Maybe it'll come to me, but there's this other book that's told It's told through a story about, oh, Built to Sell is a really good book on systems as well for hammering it into people's heads. So tell me, I mean, go into a little more detail here. What do you mean by systems? Uh, well, just basically like creating processes, like work the, work the system. He talks about how he, he had a phone call uh, like phone call answering service. It was just like chaos. And he's like, then I start one night, you know, I was all stressed out and I just started to see things from up above. I was like, I was a thousand feet above the business, looking down, seeing all these gears turning and how these things kind of interconnect. Maybe he was on shrooms or something. I don't know, but he, he just started to see how everything's kind of a system and a complex system and how you can just engineer that system. You know, it's really about engineering and he talks about some certain things that you should do to do that. And one of them is like a, um, it's probably called like, I don't remember what he calls it, but it's basically like a book of procedures and you create a procedure for every part of your business. And a lot of it, you can create screenshots and it's like a training manual. And so when everyone has, a, anyone has a question in the business, they refer to that and that tells them exactly what to do. And, uh, if they don't have a system for something, they create one. And if someone thinks that the system is could be improved, they they put forth that recommendation. He goes over the recommendations for improving systems constantly. So his whole business is basically just tweaking this system he built that's encased in this book he put together. Uh, I think he actually tells you to create a couple different books. And then built to sell is really about uh, you know making your business very simple and efficient by engineering systems as well. That sounds like two books I absolutely need to be reading right now at this point on my side. So, uh, tell me what that first one was again. Work the system by Sam Carpenter. That really gets in the nitty gritty of like building. It's like building a solid foundation that your business runs upon and, and, and the built to sell is, is very similar, but it's just told through a story format. Um, but essentially, you know, how, how easily could you sell your business is the question you want to ask. How hard would it be to hand that off to someone else? If everything is kind of stored inside your head, that's going to be very difficult. But if you're like, okay, all we have to, all I have to do is give you this book. This tells you everything we do. This tells you exactly how to do everything we do. This is the whole business. I could train you in one day. You know, that's what it's basically about. The tagline on Built to Sell is creating a business that can thrive without you. That would be the one I'd start with because it's a quick, fun read. Okay, cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out for sure. The, the what I would ask you as somebody who's read this before is like. I feel like my business is constantly changing, right? So it just feels like something else that would have to be maintained in in a dynamic business. What do you think about that? Yeah, it would be. It would be like, you know, it is the business. Like that would be the whole business encased in that, those procedures. And your job basically is just to work on that, those procedures, (laughs) creating those procedures and maintaining them. Okay. Well, that's, you know, that's kind of where I'm getting to, especially now like outsourcing these uh, comments and everything. Yeah. You've got a dynamic, good system. I I just don't know if you have it all organized in one place, you know, where it's easy to look at and reference and 
that's basically what work the system helps you create. And I read these books before I ever even really got into business. I read them like seven years ago or something like that. My dad had them and I, re- I read them from him. So I need to pick them back up too and, and look at them. Yeah. But you think that they kind of go hand in hand, maybe read um, built to sell first and then go right into the other one. Yep. Built to sell will help you see like, oh man, this is like huge, like a big major step. And it's just such a fast, easy read. And the other one was more of the nitty gritty. Nate, you always seem to have a very relevant book recommendation. Yeah. I used to read a lot of books. I mean, I, I still read, I still read a decent bit, but yeah, I used to just for, you know, five years all through college, I was just reading a lot of business books too, learning about it before I really got going on it. Let me ask you this because I have I have a copy of Four Hour Work Week right right here. It's the only book on my shelf right now, and I had an idea. Let me see what you think about it. You know how um, I had that whole Tim Ferriss thing happen where he linked to an article of mine, yeah, and I got a lot of good traffic and I had a lot of sales and I talked to a lot of these people on the phone and they were like, yeah, you know, I saw that um, I I found you through Tim Ferriss and I just really liked the way that you you know take the eighty twenty principle and apply it to learning piano and stuff like that. Well, I've been trying to think about how to tap into that market more because it seemed to be successful. So I, I was thinking about recording a video here in my new studio and kind of holding up that book, at least at first, and talk about how that book changed my life in a couple of ways. First of all, it helped me to build this business that um, is is somewhat automated, passive income type of a business, but it also taught me how to apply the 80-20 principle in a lot of different areas of my life, including one of my biggest hobbies, which is piano. How can I take the, the, the 20% of piano and give us 80% of the results? And then you know demonstrate a couple of things and then take that video and on Facebook, you can, send, you can show that video to people that have liked Tim Ferriss. Oh yeah, man. You like it? I do like it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you would want them to obviously have over other interests, you know, besides Tim Ferriss, they would want to probably be Tim Ferriss and piano interests, right? Not necessarily because they may already play piano. Yeah. But you already played piano and you've learned your new technique. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh, okay. Yeah. Something to think about. And I'm going to run that by my Facebook ads guy too. I think that, I think that marketing in general is is more it's becoming more like personalized and more nitty-gritty like that like you're talking about you know casting a wide net is becoming a lot harder and it's and it's a lot easier to target in too with all the tools we have now yeah absolutely well i think that's gonna about do it for our conversation on outsourcing i'm sure we'll revisit this topic one day in the future Um, did you have any other comments questions anything on this topic nate before we wrap it up no, just that, you know, the one time I outsourced, it was on, I think it was on Elance uh, before it was Upwork and I paid like 170 bucks and got thousands of dollars in returns from that. I hired someone on there to um, re- redesign one of my prints and make it for every state in the US. It's one that says home is wherever I'm with you and he made them in high resolution, multiple sizes, sent me the files and posted them all up on there. It took him probably just a few hours and... Uh, it would have taken me weeks and I've sold just so many of those prints. So I had an amazing experience. I'm excited to, to uh, basically what, I, I, one more question I do have is where do you think the first place for me to start would be? We've talked about this before. I mean, at this point you could definitely outsource something like AdWords, but that's, that's like a big thing, right? That's, that's definitely a big thing. I'm sure there are some small things that you can think of 
that you could outsource that you had have it yet. You know, you mentioned the Etsy business earlier and how it's not really doing much right now. It's not growing at all. So I'm sure there's more things like what you just mentioned that you could outsource with with that. Okay, cool. But I'm gonna, I'm going to keep thinking about that because um I think outsourcing is really important. I think what you can do is is kind of make a list of all the things that you need to do and all the things that you want to do that you'd like to get done. And then you really need to analyze that list and see what parts of it could be outsourced in order to make it happen faster or make it happen at all. Maybe it wouldn't be able to happen at all without outsourcing it a little bit. But look, you've got you just got $7,000 in profit. Like take some of that, reinvest it in your business by hiring people to do something for you that needs to get done. And you're going to see that return even more. It's going to just be a big snowball effect. Yeah. I mean, I, I pay myself 2000 bucks a month out of my business and everything else stays in there. So Excellent. Uh, one more question I was thinking about. So it seems like almost every time you just went from scratch into Upwork, did you ever, did you ever like, have you tried getting referrals from people and found that's useful? Like your Pakistan guy, that's amazing. When you're getting ready to do AdWords or whatever, could you ask him if he if he knows a really good AdWords guy? Or yeah, I could. We could definitely do it that way. I've just found such great success going this Upwork route because there's so many good people looking for work on Upwork. And ever since I made that transition in my mind about hiring people to work like one one hour a week or five hours a week or you know three hours a month for me. Um, that's that's the type of person that you're going to find on Upwork, and you you can if you do this process right, you're going to find really 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 good people. And my opinion is, it's probably going to be an even better quality of person than just a recommendation from one person. Okay. And my my last final question is, do you think you'll ever build a local team, or have you really considered that? Have you hired anyone local? Why are you against? Are you against that? Like you know your whole opinion around that thing. Yeah, that's a really great question because, you know, we run internet businesses here. Yeah. And so if I had a local business and a local presence, then we would be talking about more about local help. And I'm not opposed to it. I've definitely thought about it because it would be cool to actually meet with somebody in person. But I just feel like with when you have an internet business, why limit yourself to your local area in terms of the people that you can hire? Let's extend that to the entire globe. Yeah. Right. So theoretically, you can hire such a better quality person by um, extending it and not limiting yourself. You know, with my SEO guy, I think it's funny that um, I ended up hiring somebody, you know, 150, 200 miles down the road. And we haven't met in person yet, but I actually, you know, pass by there every now and then when we go to the beach or something. And I'm, I would love to just stop in and get a coffee with them or something since we are so close. Yeah. Do you feel like you miss? Like the relationships of a workplace working from home or? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, it's great to like talk to you for an hour or two hours a week on Skype, Nate, and um, having having meetings. And, you know, w- once again, another reason I like doing the phone calls to sell my course as well. So I interact with a lot of different people all, of, all over the world. I don't interact in person a lot, which is, I mean, it's just one way to do something. I do live in a city that's got a very, very big university, uh, you know, LSU, Louisiana State University. And so I've thought about going to their like marketing department and trying to find an intern or something, but I'm just not there yet. I mean, it's just, I I don't have a reason to yet. Yeah. Okay. Right on. That was great. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I just I thought of something else that I would hate to not mention since we're talking about outsourcing. Uh, one cool thing that I've outsourced that I didn't mention is I've outsourced entire courses, right? Oh, yeah. So I have a guitar in 21 Days course and I have a vocals in 21 Days course. And I'm not a great guitar player and I'm certainly not a great singer, but those courses I knew would be packaged so well with my piano course. And I sell those with my uh, high, they come in my high end package, which costs $500. And I outsourced those and I found both those people on Upwork and they did a great job. And they're both in um, lower income countries. And so I didn't have to break the bank on, on getting those courses done. I think I paid about $1,000 for the guitar course and maybe 1500 for the singing course. Um, those people are in Argentina and Romania, respectively. And so I could have put an ad out in my local market and I'm sure I could have found a very good guitar player to, or a guitar teacher to put that course together for me, but I bet it wouldn't be as good and I probably would have had to pay more. That's awesome. All right. So that's going to do it on Outsourcing 101. Like I said, I'm sure we'll revisit this conversation at some point in the future. I think next week, Nate, we're going to talk about phone calls. You know, I mentioned that I sell my course on the phone a lot. And so I'm going to walk through that process, how I, how I even got that idea. Um, and, as, and we'll go as, as in detail as like what my script looks like when I get these people on the phone. And we'll talk about whether that's going to be a good thing for you to implement on your side with where you are with your online course. Cool. So that's the plan. That's the plan for next week. Nate, good talking to you as always. Where can people find you online? You can find me at natedodson.com and microgreensfarmer.com. And you can find me, Jacques Hopkins, at pianoin21days.com and the online course guy.com. And if you are interested in taking your hobby or passion and turning it into an online course like we have, then I've got a free quick start guide waiting for you at the online course guy.com. It's the eight steps to taking your hobby or passion and turning it into a profitable online course. So you can grab a copy of that quick start guide today. Once again, that's theonlinecourseguy.com. And uh, see you next week, Nate. See you next week.